Tom Bernard Show with Rocco Mediate, Mike Bellina, and Andy Brant Bernard. And we'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Brad, Sean, Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional bodywork costs. Broken windshield? Walls of Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well, Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. Somebody made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Tom why Bernard you, Joe. Why would you even think to do that? I don't know, but uh, let's think through this, what this person did. A student at Washington State University who felt charitable last week posted on Twitter that she planned to donate to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. It seems simple enough. She told followers she would give 25 cents for everyone who favored her, her tweet. Oh. And 50 cents for every wheat, uh, retweet. Yeah. But the tweet went viral. It reached nearly 200,000 retweets and 450,000 favorites. Oh, that's a heck of a donation. Almost a quarter of a million dollars oh for a 19-year-old college student. Yeah. That ought to be easy to do. <laughs> now what happens? Well, we're going to find oh. out. Well, Danny, I mean, she didn't know. <laughs> Danny Messina, 19, told the Huffington Post that she was inspired by a friend who was spending Thanksgiving in a hospital. She said she thought about all the children who would be in a hospital fighting for their lives instead of celebrating the holidays at home. Uh, I was originally planning on donating personally $1,000. <laughs> Well, I bet you somebody picks that up. Yeah, I bet somebody. I bet oh, somebody I'm picks sure. it up. Yeah, some organization right is going to. 
I bet you're absolutely right about that. It'll get picked up by That's somebody. That's awesome. Good for her. <laughs> I tweeted because I had absolutely no idea there would be that much support around the idea, she told CBS. So unfortunately, I don't have the funds to support this, but here is a link to donate to one of the best hospitals there is. She started a GoFundMe page where she is directing those reaching out to help her in her effort. She set the price uh, goal at $50,000. It's a community effort now, I think, she said. Some on Twitter criticized Messina for not capping the amount and not following through on her pledge. Oh, what come is she, on. Yeah, she's supposed to come up with a quarter of a yeah, million here, dollars. Yeah, here, take it out of my purse. Yeah, seriously, come, come on. on. Exactly, come on. What the, what's wrong with you? One person tweeted, Ugh, we are from an older generation having a say. I uh, have a saying. So you wrote a check you couldn't cash, did you? It's a shame. St. Jude is a great cause. Too bad you decided to make a commitment you can't honor. Would you leave her alone? She's 19. She thought it was going to be about a grand. And thinking about a 19-year-old giving $1,000. Exactly. She doesn't make, I mean, whatever. Exactly. So I would imagine somebody, some real generous person like, oh, Mark Zuckerberg. There you go. Although it's tweets. Who owns Twitter? I don't even know. Some he's he's a Saudi investor, or uh, except I think he might have gone to prison. He did. <laughs> well, that's go. not good news for Twitter, now is it? Uh, What's they're, Donald they're Trump cleaning do? house over there at Twitter? And the Saudis. Oh, the Saudis are. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. Aren't they killing off about half of them? Uh, women can drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kill wow. kill their cousin. Other than that, though, what's uh, going to go on with Korea here? What's it's getting kind of ugly right it now. It is getting ugly, and they're they're going to get their ass. He's not going to wait much longer. I I, no. I wouldn't think. I don't think so. And I, I you know I, what's he supposed to do? And people are are trying to act like, well, there he's goading him into it. No, he's not. He's not goading. They have an ICBM now. You saw the test. Yeah, they do. It can yeah. reach LA. Yep. That's a bad situation here. It's not good. Well, they're testing the uh, nuclear warning uh, signals in Hawaii. They've been testing them now for a couple of days, so they they're taking this very seriously. All they have to do is post up a couple of Patriot defense uh, trucks. We'll be all right. That'll be it. Mm-hmm. We'll just take them right out. Let's see. Uh... Well, I know the prince I was talking, well, I don't know if he's a, no, he's not a, he's a member of the royal family, but I don't know what exactly he yeah, is. Yeah, who knows anymore. Uh, but he is a billionaire investor. He has investments in all sorts of things. I don't know if Twitter is one of them, but I think it is. But yes, he was arrested on the 4th uh, for money laundering, bribery, and extorting officials. So Uh-oh. he might not be yeah. a uh, major think He's Italian? What, what's he doing? Yeah, yeah what's yeah, he yeah. doing? Nice Italian Saudi. I mean, as a billionaire, why would you have to do that? I yeah. have no idea. I know. They should be trying to do that to you if you're a billionaire. I, I would, would expect someone yeah. to try to take my money if I was a billionaire. I would think that's true. Billionaire. I don't know why you would do that if you were a billionaire, but what do I know? An airline pilot's union says a computer glitch in America... What did, Amer- did you hear what American Airlines did? No, I heard oh, something, but I didn't hear the whole thing. God. Yeah, idiots. An airline pilot's union says a computer glitch at American Airlines left approximately 15,000 scheduled flights during the busy December holiday travel season without a captain, co-pilot, or both. 15,000 flights. Uh, holy. Uh, yeah, from December 17th through the end of the year. Well, they better fix that. There's not, uh, many, there's not that many people yeah, traveling you know. then anyway. What's the big deal? Why would you offer vacation to anyone who wanted it? Whose idea was that? <laughs> they should be fired. <laughs> the Allied Pilots Association tells CNN it learned about a failure within the pilot scheduling bidding system. 
last Friday. Thousands of flights currently do not have pilots assigned to fly them during the upcoming critical holiday period. According oh. to the Los Angeles Times, a computer error led, uh, let too many pilots get time off for the holidays. Or as American Airlines Captain Dennis Tayer put it to CNBC, the system went from responsibly scheduling everybody to becoming Santa Claus to everyone. The computer said, hey, y'all, you want the days off? You got it. Wow. Ugh. American Airlines, which isn't confirming the number of affected flights, says it has fixed the glitch and is working to avoid canceling holiday flights. We have reserved pilots to help cover flying in December. You really? You have 15,000 of them? 15,000. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot of them. We are paying pilots who pick up certain open trips 150% of their hourly rate. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is. Especially since when you're flying, 90% of it is you just kind of sit there and make sure. Yeah, they don't do anything. Make sure the fuel tank doesn't fall off. I mean, pilots basically don't do anything now. No. They're there for emergencies, really. They're, they're there for emergencies. Take off landing, and then if something emergency or the happens during the right. flight. Otherwise, yeah, it's all autopilot. Do they, ha- do they have I mean, do they have that many duties on takeoff anyway anymore? Yeah, takeoff and landing are still pretty big deals. Okay. I mean, it is like, you know, you, you fly by your instruments. It's, right. it's 100%, you know, altimeter and attitude and all that kind of thing. But it still is something that they're not willing to trust a computer with yet because well, the tiniest little thing yeah you, you don't want that well I mean, it looks to me like they've gotten three flights covered so far so there's only uh, 14,997 yeah, to go so you know it's not going to be a problem uh in any case an american airline spokesman said this december is expected to be one of the busiest holiday travel seasons in years Thanksgiving already saw a 3% increase in travelers over 2016. Did you see the stock market today, Rocco? Up to 70? It was up 400 the last yeah. week. Checked. When did I just look? I well, just it saw it. passed 24,000 earlier. I just saw the dark. It did. Thing. It did pass 24,000 earlier. It came down a little. It's at 282 right now. Oh, yeah, I thought that I saw. Okay. <clears throat> so it was up at 400, but now it's no. 282. But overall, yeah, 24,223. How's oil doing? Uh, Good, man. Tell me 60 bucks. Uh, I don't have that in my. Uh... I don't understand something. This whole thing that, I, and I don't know anything about this because I didn't keep an eye on it. But they're going after Eric Paulson because he supposedly is voting for some Arctic drilling program. They want to go. Why would they drill in the Arctic if they have all that oil in North Dakota? I mean, it's why would they do to get that? To maybe, or there's more of it. Well, there's probably a lot more of it. That's probably true. Yeah, if you can make one hole and get, you know. A million gallons out of it versus yeah. having to make five holes to right. a million gallons and, right. you know, a lot uh, cheaper. Cody Ha may have been 600 miles from his friend in Texas, but the 23-year-old Kansas man sounded as though he were in the same room via the microphones and headphones they're the pair used to communicate while playing video games online with others on Saturday. Then around 10 p.m., Ashley Martinez of Houston heard at least two loud popping noises that hurt his ears, reports the Wichita Eagle. He did not speak again, and when players called his cell phone, they only heard the unanswered ring through his microphone, Martinez says. An hour later, they heard something else. His sister arriving at the Wichita home to find her brother and 62-year-old mother, Hong Pham, covered in blood, dead of gunshot wounds. She was panicking, Martinez recalls. She said she didn't feel safe. Really? You found two people shot to death and you don't feel safe? Wow. Yeah, I wonder why you wouldn't feel safe. Another friend uh, tells the Eagle that people often visited the family's home to buy what Ha described as prescription drugs. Uh Uh-oh, you're a drug dealer? 
Good luck to you. And the name Huang Pham tells me probably Vietnam. Vietnam uh, or, or uh, wow. Hmong? Well, Hmong oh. are from, from everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a country. They're just like... No, no, a, I know. It's like an ethnicity. Right. But this was probably somewhere in Vietnam or around that area. And yeah, there are parts of Vietnam where I can see this happening. Wow. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is exactly what the deal is. Uh, he suggests Pham sold the drugs and gave, he, uh, gave Ha a cut of the proceeds. Court records show that Pham had prior conflicts with others. In 2014, a woman accused Pham of sending two men looking for me and my husband over a money dispute. Huh. Pham later said the woman hired somebody to cause me harm for $2,000. After I talked about the money owed my family, Pham said someone broke windows of a family business and slashed the tires of her son's car around the same time. Police who've named no suspects are investigating whether the Saturday shooting death of a Pizza Hut delivery driver just three blocks from Ha and Fom's home is related. Sounds like you got a good friend there. Yeah, really great. Just to get everybody in the neighborhood shot. Yeah, Thank you so drugs, much. Killing people, sending out enforcers, and now he's dead. We've talked about this before, and I want to ask all three of you. Would you walk up to somebody you didn't know on the street and buy drugs from them? Never. No. No. They would have to be very, very vetted in order for me to ingest anything I'm getting from someone on the street. <laughs> exactly. I I'd, I'd try to do it, grow it myself, whatever that drug was. So yeah. yeah, that would be my exactly. first thought. Oh, I don't even buy food from the food trucks. No. Well, they're <laughs> I said that to a, a policeman. I, I don't know if I told you or not. In Calgary, in the Pro-Am, um, one of the policemen was carrying the sign, just kind of walking with us in a Pro-Am. Great right, guy. Right, right. And I said, so let me get this straight. So I go up, I'm looking for heroin. I go down the street somewhere, find a guy, give him 20 bucks, he gives me heroin. I put it in a spoon, I light it, I, whatever you boil it, whatever the hell you do. Really, saw really. It, I saw it in Pulp Fiction. You boil it on a spoon, <laughs> you put it in a syringe, and you inject it into your veins, and oh my God, I died. What yep. a shocker. I know. I, know. Well, I don't know what that is he just sold me. No, you don't know. I'm going to make it myself if I do that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it could be Drano for as, oh. as far as I know. Mm-hmm. I would sad. have no idea what, what what heroin would even look like. It's just sad. To, I mean, because you don't know what, nowadays especially. The only way no. to know is uh, with testing kits. And obviously your standard addict isn't going to be buying a whole lot of testing kits. No, because no they, very They're true. broke from buying heroin all the time. No, that's very true. It's just not going to go that smoothly. I wonder why they don't go to like, so the dealers buy it from someone and then distribute it. Why don't addicts go to that person and, like, buy it in bulk? <laughs> that way you're getting a better deal and it's less likely to be cut. So mm, that's very there true. There you go. Any heroin addicts out there, there's my advice. There's the Andy's advice on heroin addiction. So that's good. Although, Find the source. <laughs> although a lot of those exactly. people probably live in or near Mexico, I'm guessing. You think so? And then the dealers buy it there and then come up here. Why do you think so much pot has been recovered in the state of Minnesota recently? I mean, hundreds of pounds of pot have Hipsters. been recovered. Well, these two of the guys, they had 60 pounds of pot. They had $70,000 in cash. One's 20 and one's 21. They wanted to be drug dealers. They're at the University of North Dakota. Yeah, 100%. Like, what are you they doing? They had a good job on the side. What do you mean? Yeah, they had a good job. 70000 in cash. They had a machine gun. Yeah. They wanted good. to be, yeah. They, they saw narcos and they were like, this is the life for me. A machine gun in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Wow! But I suppose you're you're not you're a hop, skip, and a jump from the Canadian border. 
but I don't know if you want to be transporting drugs across the Canadian border. I don't know that that's a good idea. I don't think they really care that much. Do you think they're just oblivious to it all? Yeah. I mean, for a long time, uh, people were... They'd go up to Canada, they'd get a bunch of things that are prescription here but not there, and then they'd just bring them over here and sell them. And that was like the thing to do in the 90s. Yeah, that is true. But now everything is prescription in Canada, too, so... I love that Plukey Duke guy that used to live out in Watertown, Minnesota. Had a little airstrip and (laughs) next-door neighbors. All of a sudden, these bales of stuff would just be dropped out of airplanes. It's like, what is that all Yeah, someone's going to notice that. Someone had to see that. (laughs) It's just, hey, it's for the cows. I think Plukey, is Plukey Duke still in prison, Andy? Let's see. Here we go. Plukey Duke from Watertown, Minnesota. Ralph Duke was his real name. Is marijuana legal in the state? No. No, not not, not at all. Even medical? Medical is. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know what the, I don't no, know how that works. I didn't know that either. Yeah, he, he medical marijuana is legal in the state and within 18 months it will be <laughs> recreationally available. Because every single person running for governor said that they agree with uh, recreational use for marijuana. A ton of cash in that business. Oh, there's so much tax money to be made from that business. It's it's amazing. When you're talking about a 10 milligram uh I don't, you can't really call it a hit, but a 10, 10 milligram dose of, of pot is going to cost you about $3 at a, at a vendor in Vegas. Flukey got a life sentence. So oh. he's never getting out. It uh, doesn't look like it. He tried to appeal in 91, was denied, and that's the last thing we've heard of him. Well, Flukey, you're out of the mix. Yep, no more Flukey. We'll be right back, Tom Bernard Show. When you care about your job, you care about the job you do. At Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, they hire the best people, treat them right, and they treat you right when you call to schedule an appointment. Bryant Furnaces and Air Conditioners and the Sabre Blue Maintenance Plan are as good as it gets. This is Tom Bernard for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Visit SabreHeating.com for special savings on air conditioners. Plus, get more information on their Sabre Blue Maintenance Plan. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. As a locally owned community bank, we pride ourselves on individually crafted financial solutions and quick response times. H&B Elevators, a Minneapolis manufacturer known worldwide for custom elevator designs, had an option to buy their headquarters. We stepped in to get the deal done with SBA and Urban Initiative financing. See an opportunity too good to pass up? Stop in. We'll make it happen. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. I'm in love with Mary Jane. She's my main thing. She makes me feel alright. She makes my heart sing. One back. One back. Tiger Woods. <laughs> so, uh, do you think the song was about drugs? No, some girl. I'm in love with Mary Jane. Yes, my all-time favorite. Wonderful job that she did, no question. Japanese authorities were preparing Thursday to inspect a decrepit boat with 10 men identifying themselves as North Koreans drifting in rough seas off the northern island of Hokkaido. Coast Guard officials said they were uh, towing the wooden boat to a safer area for inspection. Officials spotted the boat off the western coast of Matsume, town on Tuesday, but rough seas prevented them from approaching it. The Coast Guard said the men communicated in Korean via loudspeakers and sent a a message board saying they were from North Korea and taking refuge at a nearby island due to rough water, the AP reports. It was not immediately known whether the boat was involved in illegal fishing inside Japan's 200 nautical mile exclusive economic zone. 
Japan has been stepping up patrols after a recent spike in the number of boats turning up on its coasts. Officials said that they were linked to a report cam, uh, reported campaign by the North to send fishermen farther out for more catches. Last week, a boat washed ashore in northern Japan with eight men who said they were North Korean fishermen. On Sunday, the skeletal remains of the another eight men were found on a ghost ship about 45 miles north from where they, the first vessel washed ashore. People trying to get the hell out? Trying to get the hell out of North Korea. Wow. I suppose I would, too. That's probably a smart thing to do. Hey, did you hear Gomer died? I just saw that. Yeah, Gomer croaked. What are you going to do? How old was he? 87. Wow. Gomer was 87, living over in Hawaii with his uh, life partner and growing flowers, I think. Wow. Uh, macadamia nuts. Well, they were growing macadamia nuts? Ooh, they had he, a plantation. He was making some cash then. I would think so. He's Ooh. doing pretty well. Probably true. While some people are getting sick, others are getting rich, NPR reports, and a new World Health Organization study reveals why. It's all linked to counterfeit drugs, notes the report from the WHO, which estimates one in ten medical products in low- and middle-income nations is either substandard, licensed and approved, but of iffy quality, say expired, or contain the wrong amount of an active ingredient, or they're fake. Of the 1,500 or so reports of shoddy meds that the WHO has culled since 2013, it also reviewed 100 peer-reviewed surveys related to quality, mostly centering on antibiotics and anti-malarial drugs. 42% came out of Africa, while Europe and the Americans, the Americas each claimed 21%, though WHO notes the numbers overall are likely significantly underreported. Wow. We have a caller. Joe from Louisville. Joe, what are you doing? I'm ah, just sitting around, fussing around. Playing <laughs> That's games. it. Playing some games, no problem. I was just calling to uh, comment on, on the drug the drug thing. Yes. Um, y'all know I'm a stoner. <laughs> um, no. Is pot legal in Kentucky? No, God, no. No, it's not? You think it will be soon? Probably not. Most of the counties here are dry counties, meaning oh, they don't sell booze any time. That's true. Hmm. That's but, true. Um, people that uh, use drugs will generally get them from people they know. So how do they get to know them, though, Joe? I mean, how would you get that, to know a drug a good dealer? good question. I mean, the, the, the guy I get my loose in... Um, I kind of stumbled upon him being a stoner by accident. Now, as far as a stoner, do you smoke pot or you do edibles? What do you do? No, I smoke it. You do smoke it. And, you yeah. know, and, and see, I've not smoked pot in years and years and years. From what I understand, like one hitters are the way to go now. But you, only, you only need one hit and you're good to go. That depends. Um, like you, you haven't done it in years and years and years. If you did one hit from a bat, which is what one hitter's called, mm-hmm. that would be enough for you. One hit and you're done. But this guy that I get mine from, he, he does it every single day. So he would have to smoke what's now called a blunt. So that's a full marijuana stick, as they used to say on Dragnet. Oh, no, no, no. 
No, nothing like that. There's more than there's. Bigger. A blunt's a robusto. Say again. A blunt is equivalent to a robusto. Uh, a blunt is equivalent to a full Cuban cigar. Oh. Yeah. It is really, and that's it's not even boring. the biggest one. Well, it is. It is. It depends on how you roll it. Honest to God, so you. So some people, how would you get that much marijuana without anybody knowing you have it? You shut the hell up. <laughs> well, that's a good idea. That's a good plan. But, I mean, is it hard? How long have you been living in Louisville now? Uh, be six years in March. Six years. So did yep. it take you a while to find somebody who uh, maybe could hook you up? No. So it didn't take long at all? Nope. Well, how would you know but again, where to... Remember, Tom, remember, I did tell you uh, a couple years ago that there was a kid, um, 21 years old, his father works for Ford, both of them transferred down here, and they found him dead in a parking lot Ooh. from a heroin overdose. Oh, God. Heroin's easier to find than weed. Really? My team, my former team leader, twice came home, found her kid overdosed on heroin. Oh, man. How old is the kid? Uh, he was 21. Oh, he didn't make it? Didn't make it the second time. Oh, God. When it comes to heroin, when, when it comes to heroin overdose usually means dead. Oh, does it? Yeah, unless, well, unless they get Narcan pretty quick, yeah. Well, the first time the first time he OD'd on heroin, she saved him. Yeah. She managed to save him. The second time, he'd been dead for like four or five hours. Oh, oh. God. And he was only 21. Yeah. And the worst thing is, is uh, a couple of years before we came down to Louisville, she lost her daughter the same way. Oh, man. Hmm. So she, I assume, was in her young, uh, early 20s, too, huh? The daughter? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think the daughter was the oldest. Oh, my God. I just don't, I don't, know, how you, I don't know how you get through something like that, losing two kids to heroin overdoses. That's, I mean, that's got to be one of the worst things I've ever heard. Wow. Well, like I told you, brother, my, my, brother, my brother died 13 and a half years ago, and I can't, I can't, I can't fathom how my parents get through it. I know. I know. You know Joe, I've never my asked big you. Brother, it, it still screws me up. Yeah. I've never asked you this, Joe. Do you have children? I have a daughter. And how old is she? Um, she just turned 13. Okay, so you, you got time still to school her and say just, uh, do you think she'll stay away from all that stuff? No, I don't. Oh, you, why, why would you, why do you think that? Um, <clears throat> you got profits to make? Say again? You got profits to make? No. No? Not, you're not a drug dealer? No, exactly. Well, that's good. How, now, how, why do you think, because your daughter's only 13, she hasn't started using yet, has she? I don't know. I haven't seen my daughter since she was five. Oh, oh that's, okay. that I does, see what that you're makes saying. Sense. Okay. See, because I couldn't figure her out. mom is living with her parents, her parents. Her mom and stepdad. Okay. Her mom and stepdad, well, her stepdad at least, used at one time 
I don't know if this is true, but at one time was a Coke dealer. Oh man! So well, you don't, you haven't seen your daughter in eight years? Correct. And you, I mean, have you reached out? Have you tried to to see her? They or they just won't give you access? Won't. Really, they won't let you near your daughter. That's terrible. Nope. That's... Well, they they accused me of abusing her. Oh, so they said you beat her up, and they did they tell the courts that? Uh, no, 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 no. Wrong abuse. Oh God. Did they put it through? Did they run it through the court system? They tried to. Oh, they tried well, to. Well, actually, they it went as far as the police, and when the police heard the recording of her saying, "I will do whatever I can to get my daughter back from you." Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So there's nothing you can do about that. It's eight years, and there's really you don't feel empowered to be able to do anything about that. Nope. So do you think you'll you ever see what? your daughter again? You know what? Truthfully, yeah, I wouldn't feel comfortable until she's eighteen. No, I understand that. Yeah, I do understand that absolutely. Will you reach out when she is eighteen? No, I will let her take that step. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a that's a good decision. Absolutely. All right, when you, are you going back to work Monday? Thankfully, yes. Yeah, you got to have you got to have something to do, man. If I didn't work for two weeks, I'd lose my mind. I'm getting that, brother. That's why I'm losing myself in the video games. Yeah, well, that's a good thing. Not to mention, I won't have another paycheck for two weeks, and that yes. that, that 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 alone drives me up the bloody wall. No, I can understand that. That's that's not I mean, a good six situation. Years, six years having a check every Friday. I still don't understand why they did that to you. That makes no sense. What does the union say about that? There's nothing you can say. Oh, really? They agreed to it. Because you were sick, you missed work, and therefore they laid you off for a week, and the union said that's okay. Well, again, a couple of days ago I said that a lot of people abused it before I joined Ford. I see, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah I you understand know, what you're saying. I, you remember I told you I was out for a few days from my busted up ribs, right? Yes, sir. I brought him a. I brought him a doctor's note. The doctor's note didn't cover shit. Ah, that's unfortunate. They don't care if you got a doctor's note. Yeah, I guess not. All right, Joe. We'll call, the, call us back for before a week or longer than a week. The doctor's note means nothing to them. You're still absent without leave. Yeah, that's not good. Which is how I got the week off because you know, I'd ra- I'd rather stay at home and take the hit and have to worry about, you know, there's a girl that works next to me, got three small children. I've got the flu. Do I want to infect her? No, it's true. No, you're right. My supervisor is pregnant. Do I want to go to work and infect her with a pregnant child? There's a guy, a couple, a couple jobs up for me that's got a small child. And I, I frequently sit and be asked about him and his wife. Right. Do I want to go to work with the flu in the second round? No, you're absolutely right. Joe, reach out to us before. Reach out before Christmas, all right? Huh? Reach out again before Christmas. Oh, you know I will. All right, Joe. Thank you for calling, man. Have a good night. You too. What a sad story! You haven't seen your own daughter for eight years. You got mom is battling you. You got it's just mm-hmm. that's not good. It's so awful. 
I mean, that would be horrible. You haven't seen your own kid in eight years. I don't like missing mine for eight minutes. I so. know. Andy stiffs us for a week at a time. We don't see him. See? Well, except I work with you every day. But <laughs> other than that. But other that. than that. Now, I, I don't know. That would be very, very difficult to know you have a 13-year-old daughter. You haven't seen her since she was five. Very, very bitter divorce, it sounds like. It's, uh, I mean, not having to go through that whole situation. I've never, been, I've never been through a divorce that can't be pleasant. That's all I know. Well, it depends on how vindictive each party feels like. Because if everyone's, you know, amicable, amicable about it, it doesn't have to be a problem at all. Does that ever happen, though? Sometimes. Is there anything such as an amicable divorce? There are. There every, are. Yeah, every so often you hear about someone, they just, they were like, well, we grew apart, and, well, that yeah. sucks, but, you know, whatever. Every blue moon. Yeah, but most of the time someone has to be a jerk about it for some reason. Yeah, well, that's true. It just I don't know why you don't just get, like, an extremely airtight uh, prenup. It just it says everything that could possibly happen in the outcome of that, and you have to follow that, and that's how it is. You can't, you know, try to screw the other person out of something because you feel like it or that kind of thing. One of my favorite stories to tell of all time is when I was 16, I was dating this young girl, and we were together for a couple of months, something like that. It wasn't that long. Uh, bad breakup. Her father uh, said I was Catholic, so I couldn't go out with her anymore because they were Missouri Synod Lutheran. And then she found some other guy and whatever. And it, so it wasn't a clean break. I ran into her 40 years later. 40 years later, and she still wouldn't talk to oh me. Oh my <laughs> God! So now that's a memory. <laughs> we'll be back to Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. LASIK changed my life. Dr. David Whiting changed my life. He can get rid of those contacts, get rid of those glasses, and truly change your life. He's performed over 100,000 LASIK procedures, so there's no one else around who can compare. Let me tell you, if you're thinking about having your eyes corrected, check out Dr. Whiting and the folks over at Whiting Clinic. They've got the most advanced lasers, they've got the most experience, and they've got the best price guaranteed. All the reasons you'd choose Whiting Clinic for your LASIK vision correction. Make this year the year that you get LASIK from Dr. David Whiting. Schedule your free LASIK exam at whitingclinic.com and please tell them I sent you. That's whitingclinic.com to take the first step in having clear lens-free vision at Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. My pillow is the holiday gift that keeps on giving. Long after the bath and body soaps have washed down the drain and the new treadmill has been turned into a clothes rack, your MyPillow gift will be guaranteeing your friends and family a great night's sleep. Buy one MyPillow and get one free online with my code KQRS or call my special offer number at 800-694-2056. Buy one, get one at MyPillow.com, keyword KQRS, or call 800-694-2056. Absolutely. I like it a lot. Tom Bernard Show, we are back. Rocco Mediate in studio. Mike Molina. Andy is here. And Richard Cohen, our special guest. Good afternoon, Richard. How are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. Things are good. We like hearing things are good. Uh, Richard (laughs) Cohen, HBO's newest documentary, The Newspaper Man, The Life and Times of Ben Bradley. 
but not the basketball brand, Ben Bradley, the newspaper man. No. The film is an intimate journey through the remarkable life of Washington Post executive editor Ben Bradley, one of the country's most dangerous editors, and the man largely credited with taking down President Richard Nixon in 1974 after the Post broke the Watergate story, the largest political scandal in American history. Uh, we should have had a few more since then, but it didn't happen. <laughs> Well, I think we're about to have it again. So it kind of looks like it kind of looks like it, Richard. Right. Right. I, I, Richard, I, I do obviously want to talk a lot about your documentary. HBO does a great job with their documentaries, but I don't know. Um, I, I, I've never seen a thing such as going on right now in Hollywood and in politics and in television. Uh, it's unbelievable. NPR is affected by all of the. What are what is wrong with people right now, Richard? Well, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with people right now. I think this has been a longstanding uh, thing, problem, and I think it's just recently been exposed. And I think one, you know, mm. one of the reasons is uh, there's been a power shift in the American media. There's a lot more women and a lot more women in, in, poli- in, Good, in yeah. influential positions. And for years, what men didn't consider a story or look the other way, women feel differently about it, and we're seeing the results of that. And also, I think Trump has changed the zeitgeist. I think a lot of women are just, I mean, it's, it's onerous to them that the president of the United States has been accused of Groping, I don't know, several hundred, seven hundred thousand women. Seven hundred thousand. Yeah, and, 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 just, and, and just and just dismissing it as nothing and boasting yeah. about it. Yeah, I on, know. on a tape, and now recently saying that's not his voice. That's what he uh, says now. It's not me talking. Yeah. No, it's not him talking. So what is he? He's a ventriloquist dummy. I mean, it looked like he was moving his lips. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, I think it has all come to a head. It's kind of I hate the, the term perfect storm. But what you've got now is a perfect storm, and I, it will abate sooner or later. If anything, we in the press will get bored with the story, and uh, you know the next uh, down the line, some woman will come up with some story, and it will be largely ignored. Unfortunate. This is a real story, and it's been a real problem for I don't know since time immemorial, probably it's since true. Adam and Eve. No, you're yeah. probably right about that. My only concern about this, I, I hope all of these people, because it seems every day there are two or three new scumbags that. Uh, that uh, are is that accused a technical of term? Scumbags is yes, and where I grew up, it was uh, Richard. It, well, I get it. I get it. it. it absolutely Everyday was. Talk. But it's a situation where you know, uh, and Richard, I don't want to take up all of your time with this because the documentary is very, very important. I do want to talk about it. Um, but it, where I grew up, if you laid your hands on somebody's sister, you were done. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would have been taken apart. So I grew up in a different era. I grew up at a different time. I didn't grow up around powerful people other than physically powerful or, you know, gun-carrying powerful. It seems to me that people cannot cannot handle the, the, the power element of their lives. Do you think that's true? Well, I, no. I, well, well, it is true. Largely, obviously, we've got examples of people who couldn't handle the power or abuse the power. Right. But I think what we're not seeing is... Ordinary day in day out sexual harassment that goes on yeah. in factory floors on um, everywhere you turn that's not glamorous. Those people are not famous. They're not celebrities. They're not going to be exposed. But that's the daily onerous lot yes. of a lot of women in America. I got to tell you, Richard, because of newspaper guys, 
This is your fault. I'm blaming this on you, by the way. Because I've been doing a radio show now for 50 years. I've been doing the same morning show for 32 years. And this show for many years as well. And I was reading the news. You know, the, the news comes off the wire, right? That's, you know, right. and now it's digital and that's the way it is. And today's news happened to be about Matt Lauer, Garrison Keeler, and Al Franken. Two of those guys are from Minnesota. I'm reporting it's the news. It's a climate thing. Yeah, it must be a exact climate thing. But very quickly, I, I so I was, I was reading these stories. I was reading the news. If you look at the Star Tribune or the Pioneer Press, those are the top three stories in each newspaper. And yet when I reported those, I got uh, several um, emails and calls saying, my God, you're so you're, you're leaning so heavily to the right. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I'm reporting stories from the Star Tribune or from you know, all these other sources. Washington Post would be one of them, right? So Absolutely. because I'm reporting the news, I'm the bad guy. I don't really understand well, that. Well, I mean, we've always been in that position in the press. I mean, people don't like people who bring them bad news. But one thing to get back to the Bradley, no, no, to not to get back to it, but to bring it up. To bring it the up, Bradley yes. documentary, this is, his, this is what he says. He actually says this when he's interviewed. He said, our job is not to be loved. Our that's job true. is to bring people the truth. But do they want to hear it, Richard? Do people want to hear the truth? I think a lot of people do, and uh, you know, some don't. It's un- they're uncomfortable with it, or they or they find it ideologically repellent. But um, you know, it's our job, no matter what. You can't turn away from these stories; they exist in the same way you couldn't turn away from Watergate. It was a story, and mm-hmm. the Washington Post and Ben Bradley was accused over and over again of making the story up of what we would now call fake news, you know. Right. Um, but, but he stuck to his guns and uh, put the paper on the line, and, and it turned out, and then turned out that he was right, because he was always right, but turned out he was vindicated, and uh, that felt good. Yeah, I understand that, absolutely. It, to me, because I was, uh, when this first go-around happened, and the first thing that hit me, of course, was... Uh, when I was 11 years old, our president was assassinated on November 22nd. And then the 60s after, after that were, other than music, because we, the Beatles broke at the same time, and it brought us some joy. But it was a miserable period, starting in 1963, because we lost so many great leaders, Martin Luther King, of course, uh, RFK, uh, you go down the list. Um, and then this... Uh, when did the investigation begin? Was it the late 60s or the early 70s? You mean of Watergate? Yeah. Uh, the early 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, so it was early 70s. It was, it was the Watergate break-in itself was 1972. Oh, that's right, yeah. It was the burglary that started the whole right. thing. What, what Nixon's people called the third-rate burglar. So basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> so he was first elected in 68, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was elected no, first. Yeah, 68. No. I, I thought it was his second term that... Yeah, it was 68. Uh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. yeah, he you're was right. elected in 68. Yeah. Be, because in my mind, Richard, all of this, and, and Watergate was certainly part of it, there was a period of misery for, for like 10 years from 1963. Well, you're forgetting a, a real source of the misery was the Vietnam War. No question about it. I'm not forgetting that at all. Getting involved in things we should never get involved in is something Americans love to do, and I don't know why that is. We just is it, is well. It, in this case, it was it was made more painful because there was a draft. 
Right. And so, uh, you know, it was felt the Vietnam War was a problem in, in countless homes. I mean, young men didn't know what to do. Uh, they didn't want to fight in a war they didn't believe in. Right. They didn't know how to avoid the draft or avert, you know, the draft. Oh, I was that age. And it's, you Me know, too. The pain of it. Oh. My lottery number was 27, Richard. That was not a good lottery number. Well, 27. I'm older than you because when I first, <laughs> when I got eligible for the draft, there was no lottery. You just got drafted. Oh, you just got drafted. Okay. And yeah, yeah. And in, fa- in fact, I mean, I went into the National Guard and wound up, you know, of course, doing basic training and that sort of stuff. Right. But that's how I got out. I didn't, I didn't get out of the draft. Um, right. I had to serve. But. Right. But you didn't have to serve in Vietnam, thank God. I will tell you something. I'll tell you something, Richard. I have an older brother who uh, who did serve in the United States Marine Corps during Vietnam, and uh, he's not listening right now. I hope, but it it affected him, and it still to this day affects him. And he is about seventy four years old. It still affects him that he went to Vietnam. I know it's hard to believe for people yeah, to go. Ah, well. oh, we'll get over it, but you can't get over it. No, you know the, the expression "get over it" or closure. Yeah. You know, there's no such thing as closure. No, you're right. You know? No, you're right. right. You're absolutely right. So, Ben Bradley, how how did this all fall in Ben Bradley's lap? Well, he became the editor. Catherine Graham, who was mm-hmm. effectively the owner of the Washington Post, named him the editor. I think at '66, and uh, he had already been the Washington bureau chief of Newsweek, and. Uh, you know, the Watergate burglary occurred in 1972, and by that time, Ben had built up the paper with the Graham support, adding a huge number of staff, overseas bureaus, and hiring the best people he could find. And so when the burglary occurred, and those guys who the burglars were arrested, you remember, on the spot, mm-hmm. and one of them, when he went before the judge, when the judge said, where do you work? He whispered, CIA, and the judge said, I can't hear you. <laughs> And he said, C-I-A. And Bob Woodward was standing right there, sitting right there, and wrote it down, C-I-A. And that was it. We were off to the races. What was a, what was a C-I-A guy doing burglarizing the headquarters of the Democratic National Party? It was, you know, right away, it was a great story. And Bradley relentlessly followed it. Uh, relentlessly. No one else was following it at first. And then after a while, everybody dropped it. And the post went on by itself took a lot of criticism. It was, it was kind of a painful period, mm-hmm. in a way. Um, mm-hmm. the, the financial health of the paper was on the line. Nixon was going to strip the Washington Post company of its broadcast properties. He vowed that. Wow. So it was scary. It was, it, it, was, it was scary financially. It was kind of almost scary, almost in a sense that you never knew what Nick, the Nixon people were going to do. But Nixon, in the end, resigned, had to resign, and um, the Post came out of it triumphant. So it was... It was really Ben's story from the very beginning, and okay. he showed great courage and integrity. Yeah, you know, I tell people all the time, Richard, um, that uh, I was looking back in my life at the last president that I really did admire, and I got all the way back to George Washington, a slave owner, and I went, yeah, it's probably nobody. A president <laughs> is not the position that I would admire. I think in order to be, want to be president, you have to be somewhat psychopathic. Well, he didn't want to be the president. Well, oh, no, Washington didn't. I know that. but They wanted him to be the king. <clears throat> they wanted him to be said, king, I'm yeah. not going to be the king. King Washington. Yeah. <laughs> king George. But it's just not the type of person. Aren't all of these people somewhat, well, they're, they've got an arrogance about them that is, that is amazing to me. Can I disagree? 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's okay. what this show's all about, Richard. People get some, go- some of the politicians I've known over the years uh, were better off being in institutions. There's no question about it. <laughs> you, need, you, need, you, need a, you need an ego. You have to have... Yes, you, you have do. To in yourself. But I'll tell you something else. A lot of them, I think, most of them are absolutely serious about what they do. If you want to make small talk with them, it's very difficult because they, all they want to talk about are issues and policies. They care about what they're doing. I oftentimes wonder sometimes why they do, because they think they can be wrong, uh, seriously wrong. But they do care, and they work hard at it. It's not an easy life. No, and, I understand. Uh, I have, I've had friends of mine, people I know well, say, I'm going to run for office. And I say, why would you do that? Why would you give up your freedom? Why do you want to spend right. your Sunday shaking hands in a firehouse when you could be at the beach? And they look at you and they say, but I care. And I take them at their word. They care. And that's a good thing. Some of them, I think you're right. I, I just, it scares me that our presidents all become so wealthy now. That, that does bother me. I hope they're well, not in but, it for yeah, the money. After, after they leave office. Yeah. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. Well, yeah, but uh, what are you going to do about that? I, mean, well, I know. Everybody but us got wealthy. <laughs> you and me. Just you, you, right. you. We're the only two, Richard and Tom. Richard, I, I, I want to reach out to you and talk to you more about this because I know coming up uh, on December 4th at uh, 7 o'clock Central Time, uh, Monday, HBO's newest documentary, The Newspaper Man, The Life and Times of Ben Bradley. But I just want to reach out to you once in a while to talk about life and uh, how it's going because I like your observations. I like the fact that when I, when I asked certain questions, you said, well, do you mind that if I disagree? People used to have conversations like we're having, Richard, and they don't any longer. I love this right, conversation. No, so wonder- call anytime. Just don't call collect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he'll he'll be opening at the Comedy Cellar uh, this Saturday night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Richard, a great guest. We look forward to the documentary. But I absolutely will reach out to you because I, I love good, clean conversations where I might learn something. I like that. Okay, Tom. This would be great. Thank you, Richard. Bye. Have a great day. You too, sir. Richard, I hear something. Uh, there have been nine presidents who never hit above a million dollars. That's right. And one of them was broke when he left office. That was Harry Truman. Well, right? this would be their uh, net, like their highest net worth ever. And none of them ever made up to a million dollars. Or nine of them never made up to a million dollars. So, oh, hey. And yes, go. Harry Truman was one of them. Half yeah. Republicans, half Democrats. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show.